Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss sustainable productivity and habit formation while avoiding the allure of hustle culture. Every episode, we interview guests who have got a solid habit and productivity game. We're your hosts, Joey. Hi. And Jeremy. He's Jeremy. Joey's a published author. I'm self-published, though. Has a background in psychology. Not registered, though. Has a deep interest in humans. Only some of humans. And a strong interest in habits and connections specifically. Mm, that's true. And Jeremy is a software developer with ADHD. And when he's not trying to come up with ways to stop himself burning rice, he enjoys doing a three-hour morning routine and surprising colleagues by doing sets of push-ups during meetings to keep the energy high. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. In our fourth episode of the Focus and Chill podcast, we're lucky to have Shruti Rustagi with us today. Shruti is a CFO for Amazon Canada's consumables business, an executive coach with a focus on productivity and a mentor with 16 plus years of corporate experience across three countries, India, the UAE and the US, both regional and global roles in Amazon, ABG and KPMG. During her corporate career, she built successful teams, strategized on billion-dollar investments, and was instrumental in launching Aditya Birla Biz Labs, an accelerator and venture fund for one of India's biggest diversified conglomerates. We're very lucky to have Shruti today. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here, Jeremy. Enjoy. Excellent. So we'd, we'd like to hear a bit more about what you do in your various roles, because I know that you, you have a role with Amazon, but you also have your own business as well. Could you tell us what you get up to when you're working on your, in your concentrated hours? For sure. Um, I think I would divide those concentrated hours into kind of three buckets. I know you talked about Amazon and you talked about my coaching, but I also consider the part that I spend with my family as concentrated hours. Um, so the first one would be Amazon. And I think in my focused work in Amazon, there are a multitude of things. Typically, it's about some investment analysis, some deep focus studying, writing a document, which is going to go for leadership, which needs undivided attention. So I don't want distractions at that point. Um, building frameworks for decision making, which are sometimes applied at a country or a worldwide level, depending on whichever my role is or what I'm working on. Um, so usually when I'm working on my um, CFO side of things, the financial duties, it's investment and focused analysis that needs focused attention. Um, as far as my executive coaching part goes, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. And as you can expect, in a one-on-one coaching, that entire time, my entire focus and attention is on the person who I'm coaching. And that requires not just the complete attention, but also listening at the second and third level. 
So I want to listen in for things they're not speaking, uh, for their body language, for everything. So there is a lot of focus that goes in there. When again, I would close my door, tell everybody, none of my kids are allowed to come inside when I'm in that session, etc. And then comes um, the pieces where I want to spend time with my family. And that just, I think, deserves just as much of focus and attention when I'm reading books to my kids or spending time with them outside. We're going to the park. Now, I don't anymore. They're kind of grown, 11 and 6. So they don't need me around. But um, if you're spending time together, um, I like it free of distractions again. Yeah, that, that's great. I, I like how you're talking about having the co- full concentration, not just for work, but also with your children and with your family. And that really makes a big difference in terms of productivity, I imagine, both at work and in terms of deepening relationships, having complete presence with them. Joey, do you want to ask the second question? Yeah. Um, also, I just thought it was it, it's really refreshing, Shruti, that you that you intentionally focus, uh, um, provide focus time to your to your family, and and it's uh, I, I imagine I imagine though it's not like you're setting a Pomodoro timer or something and saying I'm going to focus on my family for like an hour and and then I'll wrap it up in in like twenty minutes or something. Like, uh, do you have any? I guess rituals or anything to get you in the zone. Uh, I'm, actually, I, I just assumed. Sorry, I, I shouldn't assume that people use Pomodoro timers all the time uh, for for focused work and things. But like, uh, do you have any rituals that get you in the zone to be with your family? And are they different to the rituals you might use to get you in the zone for work? Um, well, no. On Pomodoro, yes, I totally agree that that's a very effective technique. Oh, okay. But yes, Joey, I don't use it for my family. <laughs> um so yeah in terms of getting into the zone i think um for family and for coaching i usually don't need much Mm. as far as my work goes i do do a bit of planning that's my getting into the zone because there's so many things coming from so many different directions that i like my day to be planned um, on coaching, I already know when are my sessions. So it's kind of I'm already in the mental zone when I have to get into those sessions. Um, as far as family is concerned, we already have set times because kids go to school. When they come back, we kind of have almost a set pattern that we follow. Um, and mentally, I think my mind automatically shifts to that zone. Um, the one thing that I would just want to call out here And I know sometimes we don't think about productivity in the way of mindfulness. But I would like to say, just like with family or like with coaching, um, if if your listeners were to think about meetings in a similar manner, that would be very interesting. Because meetings are also places you're interacting with people, be it from your office, be it external folks. And complete uh, mindful presence in a meeting can make a lot of difference in asking the right questions, getting the right information and reaching the right conclusions. Um, So if there's a takeaway from the discussion that we are having on coaching and family, I think people can apply that to the meetings and the interactions they have in their workplace and otherwise. Yeah, that's like the the idea of being present and giving the person in front of you the full focus is, is, I think, such an underrated skill. And uh, I think because it's so underrated, it, it only requires a little bit to to really set you apart from all the other people that are answering messages and and stuff while while uh, there's a person in front of them, right? 
there was that that thing of like uh i think i think um i can't remember where i heard it but someone someone was saying like um how important it is to be present and to be mindful at at face-to-face meetings and then like the person that i talked to you goes oh, i'm sorry what i was distracted <laughs> yeah. that was uh, quite meta <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah i guess the i'm also quite curious to understand you're talking about your your work and your coaching and your family and so do you do you have like um do you have actually any off time <laughs> because i like you so, some people some people say like their off time is spending time with their family but um you treat that as a very intentional like focused activity do you have any time where you can just let your mind wander and just chillax um yes i think you know uh, when i was thinking about this question i was also thinking yeah most of my time is almost planned even workouts meditation so like that's also a place in my calendar but yes i do have time which is not planned and um and the activities i like to do then is uh, catch up on some old reading um or solving some jigsaw puzzles to uh, of my favorite activities apart from that i think just pick a new recipe experiment with an old one uh, tidy up things around the house uh, talk to friends call back some folks back home um or just do anything we didn't think of or we didn't plan so me and my spouse um if we are together and we have that time alone we just go on walks we just talk to each other um so yeah a lot of things which you can do if you have that luxury of that unplanned um time the um the one thing which i have quite recently taken on to and that's because um us library systems are brilliant they have audiobooks etc just recently i was waiting in my uh, the dentist's office and he was running a bit late uh and i was just finishing off an audiobook so i loved it that i didn't have to carry necessarily the books or the puzzles or anything and i could really be productive that time as well while listening to something not necessarily related to work just fun um so those things i think help technology definitely helps uh yeah audiobooks i love audiobooks so much and i have a lot of friends that just can't get into them because they they go oh i just zone out or i get distracted but the thing is you can always just like slow the speed down or you can rewind and uh, i feel like I feel like people that uh don't want to get on uh get on board with audiobooks uh missing out a lot but I think it's all a matter of personal preference as well. That's true. Yeah. Um well, I can't really blame them. When I think back at myself, I could never get on with Kindle. I just love touching the book so much. But now I think yeah, but now I can manage audiobooks so yeah. It's just personal preferences. Yeah, there's definitely some some books that lend themselves well to print. Like I was I was um listening to this audiobook called um How to Measure Anything, which is quite it can be quite dense in some of the stats and measurements that they talk about and so I find myself listening to it on half speed and like rewinding like certain sections and yeah, that that part can be frustrating, but uh yeah, it's I think I think it's really cool. it's really cool to try um i definitely recommend if if you haven't tried it already um anyone listening please uh give it a go <laughs> well they're listening to something audio right now if they're listening to this 
I'm keen to to dig into when you were talking about how you schedule your workouts and your meditation, what time of day do you tend to do that? Is that part of your morning routine or when do you fit in those habits that you have? Um, yeah, Jeremy, absolutely. Those are part of my morning routine. I'm a totally morning person and early riser since almost the very beginning. Um, usually my mornings start like around 4.35, 4.30 or 5, depending on what time did I sleep, but typically it's within that time. Um, the good part is, and that's something that has kind of evolved, I don't put alarms anymore. It's been almost three years now. I don't use alarms and I let my body clock actually just let me wake up. That also ensures that I'm getting those six hours of sleep that that I need to be productive. And then once you get into the habit of waking up at a certain time, your body kind of gets used to it. That's what my experiment tells me. Um, after waking up, I think the very first thing I do, and um, not that I recommend everybody else to do it, but I just plan because I think in my head, I'm such a big planner. <laughs> I can't go without it. And so I look at my schedule for the day. I look at the schedule for the week as well, because that helps me prioritize the things that I need to do today, which are due in some time. It gives me enough time to plan for buffers and reviews. Um, so that's the very first thing which I do. And then I spend that one, one and a half hour into just focus thinking, sometimes writing, um, or, you know, working on specific projects, anything that again requires time, which is non-distracted and that early morning creativity. Um, so that's what I use it for. And then of course there are chores. Um, I'm super into healthy eating, so I make sure my kids eat homemade food. And um, so there's breakfast, there's lunch, I do all of that. And then work out, meditate, and then my morning schedule effectively begins by around 8.39 when I start with the meetings and office work and everything else. Um, but yeah, this is pretty much how it looks literally every day. Yeah, Im impressive to get that much done before 8.39. You mentioned that you get six hours sleep and you're, you said that that's sufficient for you. Has that been something that you've always, you've never needed more than six hours or you've, you've trained yourself to be able to deal with that amount of sleep? Actually, I've experimented a lot with different amounts of sleep. So I think when I was in school, I would sleep for about seven hours. Uh, B school, it became between six and seven. And then since my kids, um, I had kids, since then, I've noticed, I don't know if it's to do with the body changes. I don't know what it is. But since then, I have experimented that six hours is just the optimal speed, uh, sleep for me. And uh, then I also tried a few different things. So I tried yoga nidra. Yoga nidra apparently is a way to make, to give yourself a lot of concentrated sleep effects in a much smaller time. I tried that. I did it for probably a few days, but then I realized my body still needs six hours of sleep. And so I stopped experimenting on that front. Um, but yeah, it, it's probably a good area to think about. Yeah, well, it sounds like you, you pack a lot in with both your work responsibilities, the family and doing meditation and, and workouts. What type of meditation do you do? Is, is that related to, to breathing related meditation when you're talking about yoga nidra? Oh, 
yeah, no, yoga nidra was just one experiment I did, but my meditation is pretty simple. Um, there's an app called Insight Timer. I just use that. I use 15 minutes on that timer. And for those 15 minutes, I just practice as much of thoughtlessness as I can. And, uh, Basically, what I'm trying to do in that is I'm just listening to the music. So inside timer, you can choose the music and you can choose the bells that you want, um, the ending and the starting. Um, so I usually pick Zen guitar. That's my favorite music to just listen to and meditate. And then all I do is focus on that music, not thinking anything, any thoughts that come through. I just don't think about them. I let them pass like a cloud. And that is all that I practice. What that helps me do is sometimes, actually often, right after I get up from my meditation, I think about things that have been kind of haunting me is not the right word, but I've been thinking about. They're playing on my mind. And then I think about them in a, usually in a different way or a new way. And I have found that meditation kind of puts me in that spot of new or creative zones, if you will. So it, it helps me just unpack things in a much better way. And again, I know there's a lot of science that already proves what I'm saying, but this is what my experience has been. And that's all that I do. So it's just 15 minutes every day, but um, trying to completely go thoughtless during that time. Mm. Yeah, always good to back up the science with some anecdotes as well. And how about for your workout, what type of exercise do you do? I have uh, two modes. One, either I bike. So Seattle lends itself to beautiful biking um, areas. So either I bike for 45 minutes. And if I don't have 45 minutes, then I do a 30-minute aerobic workout wrapped up with like five minutes of some yoga asanas that I do for just general um, flexibility. So... Um, I think I have just, uh, you know, this thing on my uh, watch. I need to burn so many calories a day and I need to work out for so much time. And I just make sure to finish those two, either in the morning if I can all at once or I finish it off, whatever I can in the morning. And then I do a brisk run, walk, jog, something later. Uh, but yeah, I just have that thing. So I know how much I need to do. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, like specific to your to your working hours, like you you mentioned before, I, I guess the the main tools that you were using is your calendar, making sure everything is blocked in like beforehand, so you can so you can bring your like best focused self to that to that meeting or that task that you're that you're doing, and uh, like a, a, it seems like a, a very powerful intention to to focus. Are there any other tactics that you'd like to um, share with the audience about how you can um, fight distractions during during your work hours? Because I guess like when you when you look at any kind of team uh, productivity or collaboration software like like a um, I don't know like a Slack or a Teams, you get pinged and you get notifications and you get at mentions uh, like every every couple of hours. How do you how do you fight those distraction monsters? Absolutely true. And being at Amazon, we have both Slack and our own internal thing, which we call Chime. So just imagine, imagine getting pinged on both and then through emails as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think one, if you are you're blocking out some time for focus work, just switch off all the dis, uh, the notifications. That's what I do. If you're not able to control the distractions, put your phone in another room. That's literally something I've told some of my mentees that, listen, I know it's not easy for people to execute that willpower. So just make it impossible for you and difficult for you to go and reach out. Um, if you've listened to Atomic Habits or if you've read Atomic Habits, you'll realize that's that's something that James Clear talks about as well. That um, set up mechanisms that make it easier for you to do what you want to do and make it difficult for you to do what you don't want to. So uh, notifications, stopping notifications is one very effective technique. Second, set status. Um, if you can, just put yourself out of office, not available. I have even gone to the extent of putting an out of office message in my emails that says I am concentrate. I'm doing some concentrated work for the next four hours unless earth is falling apart. Uh, please don't bother or expect a delay. I have gone to those extents to let people know that if you're mailing me and if Amazon is not dying, it's okay. It can wait. Um, so those kind of things. I think you have to be um, intentional about some of it, not letting other people know that you want to do something like this may not be always good because um, there may be certain urgent things that need your attention. So communicating is always a good, a good idea as well as notifications. The other thing which I think is, um, is important, which people often don't do is prioritization. When there are so many things coming at you, you need to have a very clear way to prioritize things. Push back. Ask them, whoever's pinging you, why do you need this? Why am I needed to do this? Why is this urgent? Why does it need to be done now? And this is specifically for your listeners, especially if they are in their early years of the career. Uh, they find it really difficult to push back. Um, so my directs often tell me it's easy for you to push back, but it's not so easy for me when people coming you know, uh, asking for things. And I'm like, no, it's just as easy. Just do it once or twice. And then you'll also figure out a smart way to do it. Asking questions is one of the best ways to push back. Asking them, why is it needed? Why do they think it's urgent? Sometimes that'll also help clarity to the person who's asking you for the request. Um, so I think it's, there are, as I put it, there are like kind of these three parts to it. One is, of course, as much as you can, stop the distractions um, as well as communicate to others that you're not available at this time. Um, the second thing is ask pointed questions. Why? Who needs to do it? When does this need to be done? And, um, you know, how exactly do you want it done so that you can also determine how much time is it going to take kind of things. And then the third thing is just pushing back on things which you don't think are important. And that holds true for everything. And that you can only do when you know what and how to prioritize. Yeah, that, that makes it answer your question. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I understand uh, because it, it sounds like there's some really actionable, actionable advice in there. So it so the, the first step is really to set up your environment in such a way that you don't have to make choices about what's going to distract you and what's not. That's like put your phone in another room 
turn off all of your notifications, set expectations with people that might be emailing you. And just as a side, when did email turn into synchronous communication? Like, I th- like once upon a time, email was just like a like a letter, right? And now it's turning into like some kind of instant messaging platform. And it's, yeah, I, it just does my head in sometimes. Uh, so that that's the first step. Basically, you set up your environment in such a way to, um, to, still, to make focused work easy and make distraction difficult. And then the second one is for your stakeholders, you ask you ask pointed questions, which helps you establish the priorities. So like, when does this need to be done? Does it need to be done by someone specifically? Uh, and like, what are the dependencies and, and so on? So that basically helps you set up your priority. And then the third thing is, which comes from the second point, when you know what your priorities are, you are more comfortable in pushing back because you know what you can say, what you have to say yes to and what you have to say no to. Does that, does that sound like a um, correct summarization? Absolutely, Joy. And I love it that you said, when did email turn into a synchronous <laughs> communication? Because I always tell people, you, your SLA of replying to an email is not five minutes. Yeah. Stop giving others that sense. I totally agree. Yeah, so much, so much. And yeah. like, uh, I think, I think I'm probably on a, an extreme end. Uh, it's probably not good to be on the extremes, but I, I know like, um, I might take a day or two to reply to messages if it doesn't require like a, like if someone's just like asking me, like, how's it going? Like I might take a day or two to respond because I want to give them an actual response. I won't just say it good. Uh, but like if it's something that requires like, hey, where are we catching up tonight? I'll give it, I'll give like a response soon. But um, yeah, it's, it's just funny. Like I often hear people saying, oh, sorry for the late reply. It's just like, it only took you a couple of hours to reply. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like, uh, like you said, it's not like Amazon or your life's going to fall apart because some, because you didn't reply how you're going in like a couple of minutes, right? Exactly. I'd be keen to ask one other question about the prioritization. In terms of, Joey was talking about how in order to be able to push back, you need to know what your priorities are. And you've got your your tool where you look at your schedule, just not not just for the the day, but for the week ahead. How do you, as part of that time, do you have a framework that you use? I think you mentioned that you have decision making frameworks that you use, and, and that probably feeds into prioritization. Are there any that you could explain in a short time for our listeners? Um, sure, Jeremy. One clarification: the decision making frameworks that I was talking about were more from financial decision making that we use at work. So when I'm developing something like that for a country or worldwide. Um, but coming back to the question that you asked on prioritization, um, I believe I don't have a set framework. But if I were to talk about one or just create one um, based on my metrics of decision making, it would look something like this. My very first priority always is if you, um, in fact, some of your listeners might be uh, familiar with the Eisenhower matrix of prioritization. That's very useful for task prioritization, not goal prioritization. And we'll shortly come to that. For any tasks, your everyday things, anything, you basically are drawing a two by two on the axis of urgency and importance. Anything that's urgent and important, and the and important is super critical for you to consider. Anything that's urgent and important is my number one priority. Anything which is urgent but not important is my number three priority. Anything which is important but not urgent is what I will start calendarizing in my outlook. 
and anything which is neither urgent nor important, it doesn't even feature on my to-do list. By now, I've become that much aware. But I think for people who are starting out, once you start doing this on purpose, you will be able to kind of sift through those things. Now, um, many people get baffled when I say something that's urgent but not important is a number three priority. And it's simply number three because I often realize that whatever's urgent, sometimes I'm not even needed to do that. I can actually delegate to other people or what is looking urgent today may not actually be urgent at all. If I question them, if I discuss with them, it may not even remain a task to be done. And so that's why it's my number three from that perspective. Uh, important things for me are exactly why I look a week ahead and on weekends, probably the month ahead, uh, because I know there are things that are going to hit me in the end of the month. Like we have always uh, month end reviews, we have monthly business reviews, the quarterly reviews. I know those are going to hit me at certain point. That's important. I know I don't have to work on them today, but if I don't schedule it in my calendar, that is the work that will get, that will suffer. And I don't want to, it to be in a situation that it enters the urgent bucket, urgent and important bucket that I need to, oh my God, tomorrow is my MBR and today I have to work on it. I don't want to be in that situation ever. So, um, so that's how I would think about task prioritization. Now, many a times it's difficult for people to gauge what is urgent and what is important and what is not important. Urgency actually is something more easier because if somebody's standing uh, over your head asking you to get things done, it automatically becomes urgent. Importance is what people are not able to figure out. And that's where goal prioritization comes into the picture. Um, I would say ask yourself three questions. What's in it for me? What's in it for the organization and what's in it for the people associated with me? Anything to do with my family, my community becomes automatically important. Anything to do with my organization becomes important. My own profession, my own life, of course, is important. And then the pecking order keeps changing depending on what's important at that point in time. Do I ever have to choose my interest above my organizations? Almost never, because if I have to do that, I better go ahead and speak to my manager about it, right? So you should never be in that situation where you have to do that. Do I have to choose my personal interest um, over my family? Again, you shouldn't be in that situation ever. So I think if you ask those simple questions, why is it needed to get done? Again, uh, I love quoting books. I'm sorry. Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why. Brilliant, brilliant book, if just in general for life. And I think for productivity, for effectiveness, there's no better question than why this needs to be done and why me. Yeah, really, I, I like that a lot. I also sometimes struggle with when I do the Eisenhower matrix, figuring out how important is this. And those are some excellent questions to, to help categorize them into the, the right quadrant. Just wanted to to clarify again, you were saying originally Eisenhower matrix is good for task prioritization, but not for goal prioritization. With In terms of doing goal prioritization, would that be a, a similar process of thinking about what what is most important for me personally, for my family, for the company? Is that how you would do it? It's slightly nuanced. That is typically how I would think of. But the nuance here, Jeremy, is uh, 
the goal has to somehow align with my future purpose is a very big word but with my future goal like if i am prioritizing uh, my job let's just say what am i looking at two years down the line why should i do this and am i doing enough to for it to be worthwhile over the next two years am i adding enough value um i know you you didn't ask this question per se but this is something i'd like to actually share with your readers um there are sometimes you will be in the zone where you will be going through the motions i have to do this every single day or every single week and i do it and i get done with it i'll be just ticking uh, my to do list and how no matter how productive it may seem to you think about it and step back really how productive it is and that's where goal prioritization comes in if your goal is to deliver excellent value in the role that you're in just by doing the work the way it's just needed to be done like the basic are you really delivering value what more could you do to truly add value to truly add your you know yourness into it and i think productivity therefore it's not just about the work done divided by time there is an element of quality which we often miss and that's very key um and that's where that's the nuance in goal prioritization which is to do with um is your goal just finishing off and heading home or is your goal making a difference to whatever you're doing and then you can prioritize what you want to mm yeah okay i i can see that so you're suggesting task prioritization it's about efficiency but it's not really considering effectiveness and maybe there are tasks that aren't even on the list at all that could get you there 10 times faster probably yeah i love it you just mentioned getting home that was the question joy was encouraging me to ask how do you wind down in the evenings after a full day it's not too difficult <laughs> but uh we just have uh two rituals two very simple rituals that we have as a family one of them is us as a family we do something we call thank you notes and we keep changing the the way we do it and um, so we started off by doing it on post-it notes because my kids loved colorful post-it notes in a jar and we would fill up the jar for the whole month and then the first day of the next month we would open and read it but then my daughter was like no no we are wasting too much paper so now we just share our thank you thoughts with each other So all of us would just um, share what we are thankful for for the day that day and any one thing and you can't repeat that same thing for the whole week. It's just so that kids just don't keep saying, "Oh, I love that I played with my friends today." So that's all. Um so that's one thing which we do as a family. Um the other thing which I try to do and I'll be honest, I'm not so perfect on it, but I try to do it at least twice a week is journaling. as much as possible i would write down things that have touched me in some way or happened or i want to think about or anything that's going on in my mind um i try to but i'm not successful at doing it every day but i think doing it every day would be even better um so those two would be my rituals cool and you you also do if you didn't do the planned workout in the morning you you might do exercise in the evening as well is that 
in terms of how you you structure that evening is that part of your commute back home or when when would you do the the thank yous and the journaling and the exercise after work the comm- i don't commute that's the good part we're still working from home and i'm very happy doing that nice <laughs> Our thank you notes are usually uh, just at kids bedtime so you know something like 9:30 to 9 p.m. between that time is when we would do the thank you notes my journaling would follow right after that if i do it or else i just directly fall asleep after that um the evening workout is typically just before dinner so it would be any time between like 6:30 or 7 something like that um if possible i'll just take those that half an hour or 20 30 minutes whatever i need to get done for that day's exercise i just go and finish that off but that would be how i'll structure it nice sounds like a, a really good way to unwind and i really like the the emphasis on gratitude as well i think it's such a powerful practice to have and the fact that you're doing it every day and and sharing it with your family it's so so beautiful so yeah i think that's a that's an excellent habit that i think a, a lot of people could probably cultivate more of as um i was also thinking shruti you mentioning simon sinek as well and and um start with why i haven't read that but i know simon sinek uh he wrote a book on infinite games i think the finite infinite games which was um which is really good and um i hope i'm getting that right i know john cars wrote it and i th- i think simon sinek wrote a follow up um but uh i was also curious about any like other resources or um books philosophies or apps that you'd like to like to share with our audience that specifically relate to habit formation habit formation i think two books that straight away come to mind uh the power of habit charles duhigg brilliant brilliant book i just loved it um how nicely scientifically he goes through the whole thing and still it's written in such a layman language um and atomic habits definitely he's uh, james clear i think he's made it so easy for people to to actually do and build those habits like he's literally broken it down uh, into atomic habits um so those two i think are great um other books on productivity i think seven habits is a timeless book it it holds true no matter the situation and i think seven habits is where i had got the eisenhower matrix from long long time ago um the other book that i can think of is not exactly on productivity it's called deep work i think it's by that's right yeah Cal newport if i remember correctly again a really nice book um and it's good to listen to that because often a lot of people are in that zone of checking their phones doing something else the multitasking i don't think really helps and he's brought it out in a very nice way so i think people this day and age really need to read that and i think there's one something uh, david allen's book on productivity getting things I'm forgetting done. what the name is exactly getting things done getting things done yeah I think some of those books are pretty good um if people want to like get to know about techniques and things um on the technique pomodoro works brilliantly if you really are not able to get yourself concentrated then those 25 minute blocks can really help you uh, overcome distraction so plus one to that any day Yeah, yeah, those are some really great authors that you mentioned like James James Clear is a recurring uh 
spiritual guest on this podcast, <laughs> mentioned a lot. And um, Charles Duhigg, I think, is a very underrated author. Also wrote a book called, um, I think, Stronger, Faster, Better, which I think came after The Power of Habit, which um, was my first intro to him. And um, yeah, The Power of Habit, I think, I think there's a lot of overlap between Power of Habit and Atomic Habits, if I'm, if I'm um, remembering correctly. But I think James Clear was very good in like breaking, basically saying, start very small, start unspectacular, and build a very boring foundation on which you can build exciting things. I think that's that was that was the main thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for those recommendations. I think I think those are those are really really good ones. Uh, so it's probably time for us to wrap up now, Shruti. So it's it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any parting words or ask of our audience? Not much. I would just want to actually uh, share with you all the some takeaways, I guess. Um, so the three things I would love for you all to remember is one, plan and prioritize, super critical for productivity. Push back whenever needed. If you need your own time, don't hesitate in pushing back no matter who the person is on the other side, what their designation may be. And the last thing is ask pointed questions. Get clarity. Always better, always good to know what you're heading into, what is expected out of you. Those would be probably the four P's for productivity. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. And we'll wrap the show with that. Great. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out.